The fearful sit in a clutch with their worries, whilst one man alone faces the furies. And we welcome you to another episode of Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestri. And I'm Ryan Mazzocco. Ryan, this week we get a chance to discuss the episode, If the Wheel is Fixed. Wait a minute. Fixed. This week? Yeah. I mean, it's, we're, it's kind of been a while, hasn't it? What do you mean? Well, it just seems like we kind of disappeared there for a while, and people were asking about us, and what? and now here we are. I don't know. I mean, do you feel any different? No. Why Why should I? I don't know. I mean, I feel fine. I was just wondering if you feel all right. Nah, I'm fine. Okay. So what do you say? We just go on with the show like normal? I don't see why not. Oh, okay. All right. You're the captain. Go for it. No, Ryan. You didn't lay a finger on our friendship. I just want to fly, man. Let's fly. Like we used to. Alright. This week we start with the Season 3 episode, If the Wheel is Fixed. Season 3 premiere. Premiere episode, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yes, Ryan, you are correct. All, All joking and bit aside, it has been a while. And so, uh, let's do a little housekeeping All right. before we get into the show itself. I think we owe that to our listeners. I, I think so, too. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really sure what to say other than uh, it was a lot easier to not make the show for a while than it was to make the show for a while. <laughs> it's yeah. really what it comes down to. It's a very logical way of looking at it, yeah. Yeah, mm. you know. Um, yeah, we, we, we had hinted at the end of the last... Uh, of Tunnel at the End of the Light. Um, I think at the end of that show, you mentioned go on vacation, and it was just kind of ha-ha, you know, funny. And then that's actually what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. like we went somewhere, but it it just, we never got back to making the show. Mm-hmm. And it became easier and easier to not make the show. And we legitimately got busy and sidetracked with other things. Mm-hmm. Um but that and that I'm not I'm not going to make excuses for it. Uh, life happens that way sometimes. Uh, I p- apologize to those that have been anxiously waiting for the next episode or for us to get started in the season three. I do apologize for that. And here we are now. Right. And I, I think I'd like to add too that it is because of the support of uh, many of those who have reached out to us during our hiatus. Yes. Um, that is a big part of the reason why we're here. Uh, I, I will relate briefly. He, you and I were having a conversation in the car coming from, I don't know, I forget where we were. Um, 
but we kind of looked at each other at one point in the conversation. It was that awkward silence where it had been a few months, and it's like, do we talk about Drive Back the Night? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Drive Back the Night. So, are we gonna? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> and and one of the things that I was hanging on was, you know, we haven't done it in so long, and we haven't heard from anybody. Mm-hmm. But then that started to change. Yeah, yeah, and we've gotten well. We got a great review, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. A great review on iTunes. Yeah, we're getting we're getting great review on iTunes. Great. Yes, we are. Great review mm-hmm. on iTunes. Um, that coupled with uh, some lines that some folks have dropped to us on Facebook and via email. Uh, yeah, the support is out there, and we greatly appreciate it. And it's one of the biggest reasons why we're sitting in these chairs right now about to uh, start into season three mm-hmm. back at the age of geek studio one studio one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Um, and before moving off, there's one little other point of business um, on a serious note. Uh, I, I, I'll let you go into All it. Right. Well, <laughs> um, many of you may, if you're regular listeners may remember uh, sometime around the beginning of uh, season two, we had to make a very sad announcement that our friend Tim, who was doing the quotes for the whole first season, um, unfortunately, his wife passed away. You may have noticed that he has not been um, giving his, giving us his voice throughout the rest of the second season. And uh, while we were away, tragically, we lost him as well. So yeah. we just felt that we owed that to the listener, since really he was part of the show. Yeah. And as well as part of our lives. Yeah. So he'll be greatly missed. Um, there's really not much else to say about that besides just that, of course, our thoughts and condolences continue to go out to uh, his family and friends. Yeah. So we just wanted to make you all aware of that. So yeah, I mean it's it's not as if um, he, he not as if he was a part of your lives except the fact that you heard his voice, mm-hmm. and Ryan and I felt it important to take a second and acknowledge the work that he did for us, mm-hmm. the 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 contribution that he made for our show here, and it was a tough loss. Mm-hmm. It was the last two years um, had been difficult to deal with. Uh, I know for him mm-hmm. and, and, and now it's up to us to carry his memory on. And so we, I, I, we didn't actually say it, but I feel like kind of this show, um, is kind of here in part to carry on his memory. Yeah. Yep. I completely agree. So, uh, with that said, we will move on and get into season three okay. of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. So, as we mentioned before, Ryan, it's If the Wheel is Fixed, the premiere episode. And I've got some uh, fun facts and a little bit of trivia. Okay. Not a whole lot. Okay. But some uh, a couple of uh, points to mention as far as this show is concerned. Well, that's all right, because you may be surprised to hear that I dug up some trivia. You did? I did. But I'm not going to use it during the trivia segment. I'm okay. going to save it for later. Absolutely. All right. You, yeah, you shocked me here. I know. All right. Well, well, I had some time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we did. I, I'm a little ashamed that I didn't <laughs> dig up more myself now at this point. No, what we got here is an episode. When we last when we left with a Tunnel at the End of the Light, uh, that episode was written by Joe Rankmeyer and Matt Kine. And 
while they're still the writing staff and we still have a lot of their work that we're going to, to be seeing, it's interesting how we're picking up with this episode with a brand new writer. This is a writer that has not written for Andromeda before, and he is kicking off the premiere episode of season three. Uh, his name is Robert Ingalls, or Bob Ingalls, as he's credited uh, on the show credits. And as I mentioned, this is his first writing credit uh, for this show on this series. Okay, remind me of that fact um, in our later discussion. Okay, I will. Mm-hmm. Um and this isn't the only time that we're going to see him. I, I know some writers, we, we see their name once, maybe twice, and then they just kind of fade away. No, Bob is going to be with us for a while. He is going to write another 65 episodes over the course hmm. of the next three seasons. So he is putting in a lot of time on the writing staff from this point forward. So we will no doubt be able to talk about his work as we continue on through the series. Uh, again, we have direction by Alan Eastman, and we've already had... Uh, some 20-plus episodes in the last uh, two seasons that were directed by Alan Eastman. We've got another couple of seasons with him, and as I had mentioned before, we are going to have a little bit more of a discussion on his career uh, as we get toward the tail end of his uh, direct direction or directing uh, as we get uh, further into season four. And that's what I've got for trivia, because this was a ship-in-the-bottle episode. Yeah, it, I mean, there really was absolutely nothing to speak of as far as um, guest guest actors or anything. No, so, no, there wasn't. No. no, there wasn't. But, that aside, uh, yeah, we've done some housekeeping. We've gotten some fun facts out there. Ryan, do you have a summary for us? You know what, I do. Why don't you launch into that bad boy? All Let's right. fly. <laughs> if the wheel is fixed. Last we left our crew, they were battling a seemingly unbeatable alien invasion force from another dimension. Becca and Tyr take the Maru to Ground Zero to launch Rosie, a warhead with the power of three Nova Bombs, into the portal. All the ships are gone, the portal is gone, and the Maru returns to the Andromeda, missing its crew. We pick up here, as Dylan searches the Maru for any sign of Tyr and Becca, but they are nowhere to be found. They must still be in the tunnel, according to Trance. Fortunately, Harper has a gadget that he thinks he can use to force the tunnel back open. It works, but almost destroys them in the process, forcing them to abort, presumably losing Tyr and Becca forever. Dylan ventures out in the Maru to try to find something, but the danger of the situation forces him back to the ship. Shortly thereafter, the tunnel opens again, and the Andromeda gets sucked into its gravity well. Suddenly, and like nothing unusual had happened, Becca and Tyr walk into the command deck, safe and sound, other than Tyr inexplicably missing his bone blades, and assert that they need to get out of there now, an idea on which they can all agree. After some difficulty and even some infighting, they break free from the tunnel's hole. Just then, Andromeda goes into maintenance routine, which releases deadly disinfectant gases, and the crew takes refuge in the weapons locker, less one Tyr Anasazi, who is MIA. Dylan determines that the gas was fake, and Becca goes off to find Tyr. It is at this point that Dylan vocalizes his suspicion that something is wrong with Becca. Dylan and Rami continue to analyze the Maru's visual record and determine that what they are seeing is a digital mirage and not real. Meanwhile, Becca and Tyr phase into a corridor, maniacally discuss their plans to drive the Andromeda into the tunnel, and then they make out. Harper figures out that pulses coming from the tunnel match Becca and Tyr's brainwaves, from which Dylan deduces that they are being controlled by something from the other side. Becca tricks Trance to join her on the Maru to do some reconnaissance work, 
but she uses the Maru to push the Andromeda toward the tunnel, while Tyr incapacitates Rami and then uses her to take over the Andromeda's AI. Eventually, Harper reconfigures his gadget to reverse the effect and shuts down the tunnel. Just in time, too, as Dylan and Trance were about to meet their end at the hands of Tyr and Becca, respectively. Just as quickly as the tunnel is shut down, Becca and Tyr return to normal. Well, sort of. Tyr's a bit emotional and declawed, but basically normal. Dylan assures him they're cool. No one still has any idea what happened. The end. So, Ryan. Ethan? Are, is it that the Nietzschean anger, whatever hormone produces anger and and obstinance in a Nietzschean, is that contained in their bone plates? And then once it's removed, they become this emotional mess? <laughs> is it like neutering a dog? <laughs> you may be onto something there. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Very cool. We have, we'll, we'll see. I guess we'll see about that as we go forward. Huh? Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, just real quick, something I want to get out of the, out of the way. Star Trek. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm surprised by this. <laughs> well, I'm just saying they use the slingshot maneuver to get away from the gravity. Well, yes, they did. I just want to say, be careful when you're slingshotting in space. This could have been a time travel episode. It could have been a time travel. Very Maybe it is. I mean, we don't know yet. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Really, isn't every episode a time travel episode, though? We're going 3,000 years in the future. Well, yeah. And and he's 300 years in the future. It, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. He's a man out man of time. Man out of time. So every episode, automatically time travel. I don't know. He seems to have acclimated. You yeah. don't even think about that now. No, you don't. People, people certainly don't make fun of him at this point. No. You know, Becca used to take all kinds of shots at him, and she doesn't anymore. So, yeah, he's not so much a man out of time. Where did the galactic jaws of life come from? We had just talked about in the previous episode, where did Harper have time to assemble Rosie? Now we are, what, minutes after (laughs) the singularity has been blown up and Tyr and Becca have disappeared, and now he comes running into the room with this contraption... I assume of his design. Yeah, I mean, it looked exactly like the magnification footprint from D minus zero, didn't it? I thought I had seen that prop before. Mm-hmm. So, so are we just to assume that this is something that he way long time ago made? And Dylan said, "Hey, do you remember that thing? Mm-hmm. Bring it up to the bridge so we can wedge that hole open." Right. Yeah. He was like, "Remember that thing we used back in D minus zero? Bring it back up to command, and we're going to use it for something completely different." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I just want to say about Tyr, for somebody who is determined not to engage, he engaged. He did, didn't he? Did he not? Not only did he engage, <laughs> he engaged in a little monologuing. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes he did. I'm glad you brought that up, because I didn't know which way I wanted to go about that, so, yeah. Yeah. We hit it from both directions. <laughs> um. Yeah, so if you don't know the reference to monologuing, uh, see Disney's The Incredibles. And even if you do know, I mean, watch it again, because it's a great movie. It is. It is a great movie. Uh, Dylan makes the comment, thank God for heavy grav. Yeah. I don't agree with that statement. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> what was the advantage of heavy grav at that moment? I know what he's referencing. Thank goodness for being acclimated to heavy, to being a heavy, what a heavy grav worlder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Heavy, I understand. That's, I understand that's the reference, but the whole situation was hopeless. He, he was very fortunate that the gravity was heavy enough to bend the bolt of the blaster bolt that came out of his. Did it? Yes, it did. Okay, because see, that was going to be my other complaint about that. If the, if the gravity is uh, so heavy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. it, it, you, light is not going to travel, a, a ray of light is not going to travel in a straight line. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't. I mean, his aim was way off. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, the graphics artist had to draw an arc <laughs> for the for the bolt to, to hit the console. Whether well, that was by design... Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's great physics. Great directing, really. <laughs> yes. Probably the first take, you know, uh, Sorbo aimed it right at it, and then he was like, you know what? Let's think about this for a minute. Physics are at play here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Einstein's theory of relativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think that the reason that he threw that line in there was just because it's been three months since anybody has watched Andromeda. Maybe they forgot that Dylan was a heavy worlder. Okay. And so then there's probably people sitting in their chair saying, wait a minute, how was he able to over... Oh, right. That's right. That's right. He was a heavy worlder. Thank goodness yeah. for Mama's big bones. Yeah. Even still, I'm not <laughs> sure I agree with it because even though he is acclimated to heavy gravity environments, you're telling me that he's still stronger than Rami? I don't know. Rami was uh, up on hands and knees. Dylan couldn't even get up on his hands and knees. I mean, she had one hand up on the up on the console. Mhm. Yeah. That well, it was a feat of strength. The, the other problem I have with that is that Dylan had his arm extended straight out. Maybe if he had it <laughs> held in close to his body, maybe he could prop it up on his shoulder or something. Yeah. You know, I could buy that. But then but then, what if the thing is resting on like his sternum and just crushing it, tr- crushing the wind out of him? Well, he's getting crushed anyway. That's true. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. You know, there was another thing in that scene that I just really liked. This is not important at all. Then this is the place for it. Okay. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I don't even know why Dylan would give this order because, duh, Dylan, he orders Harper to shut the thing off. <laughs> yeah. Harper is laying on the command deck floor with his face <laughs> pinned to the deck. Which, was, which he played very well. He did? Yes. And his line was perfect. He just kind of... Rolls his eyes up and goes, okay. <laughs> I loved it. I'll get right on that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I thought that was actually well done. That was a, a moment of levity that I, I actually did enjoy. Uh, Rami can't track the Maru when surrounded by space jump. So here's the thing. If she can't identify where the Maru is amongst all that space junk... How does she know that what she's firing at isn't the Maru itself? I had the same thought. Okay. What if those are some like some kind of a fuselage or something, <laughs> and Tyr and Becca are in there, safe? <laughs> <laughs> that was my thought. Yeah. I'm like, okay, how does yeah. she know that she's not destroying Tyr and Becca right now? There you go. Is, um, here's signs of life. I'm heading that way. Okay, I'll clear a path. Boom. <laughs> Rami? <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, that's a, that's a very valid point. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, we might need to have her sensors checked, maybe. Maybe Harper can get on that now that they're away from the singularity. Yeah, well, I think any other time it would be convenient for her to be able to scan all that stuff. It's just in this particular moment, it really would have stopped the show if she's able to to discern all that stuff. That's true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, from that viewpoint, good decision. Yeah. Ethan, I think it's time we need to have a serious talk about kittens. I I know where they come from. Do you? Because I don't. (laughs) Oh, in this world? Yeah. No, in the show. In the show. Right. I do not know where kittens come from. Oh, I am totally with you on that. Okay. I have no idea where that kitten came from. Um, and, And I don't really even understand exactly how they fit in the episode. Um, Here's what I want to know. Okay, we get the shot of the kitten, right? On the video, yes. on, on the uh, Maru's log, yes. right? And then later, we see Becca come into Dylan's office with a kitten. Yes. To Dylan's surprise, where did you get the cat? <laughs> yeah. And she says, oh, I thought you got him for me. Where did Dylan have time to get a cat for Becca? <laughs> yeah. In all of this? What what is what is Becca thinking? I left on the Maru. I didn't have a cat. We've been under attack and fighting for our lives. But in the meantime, Dylan went somewhere and got me a cat. Yeah, and it's easy to look at that at the surface and be like, "Yeah, this just does not add up." But then you, you think about the fact that Becca's not herself, so she's just playing the bit. She's playing along. Mm-hmm. The more uh, egregious miss here is why didn't Dylan call her out on it? Why didn't he? Why wasn't he like, okay, no, I didn't get you a cat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Two, um, where did the cat come from? (laughs) (laughs) Because it it seems like a very. Was the cat stowed away for 300 years? Did it belong to one of the crew that died? And was in suspension, and then it just somehow found its way up to the deck where Becca was at? That could be plausible if it wasn't for the cat being a kitten still. (laughs) Yeah, because it's been like a year and a half. If it's been in stasis this whole time, and maybe maybe sometime during this encounter it broke the stasis field and the cat comes walking out. Right, right. Yeah. As cats sometimes do. They get out of some weird situations. It's hard to keep them in stasis. That's true. They'll get out. Okay. And they'll find their way home. Okay. But yeah, it seemed odd that this was the question. Where do you have to put butter on their feet? Oh, is it? helps, yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, Yeah, that's the the real question that I would love to have an answer to is where in the world did it come from? Why is it there? Mm -hmm. And we're not going to get an answer on that. No, no. No. And again, the imagery... That they view in the playback, right? Mm-hmm. The the Maru's logs. Why is the cat there? I don't know. What purpose does the cat serve? I don't know. I don't even have I a joke know. for this. <laughs> <laughs> it is inexplicable. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean that. So really, all we can do is is say, "Yep, there's a cat. Uh-huh. There's a cat in this show." Yeah. Uh, I think more importantly, what happened to the cat? It's sad that I didn't even think of that <laughs> as the credits roll at the end of the episode, but okay. yes. Let's not freak out yet. Okay. Let's save it for next week. Put a pin in that. 
if we see a cat next week, everything's good. Okay. Or everything is awful because there's still a cat there there's that shouldn't a, be there. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we are going to do that, put a pin in it, and come back to that for the next episode? Yeah, see, if, right. we see if that cat comes back. We will make a note. All right. So, uh, Becca and Tyr get to kiss. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's. I don't really necessarily want to make a joke out of it, except I just want to. I just want to ask the question. We they have hinted at the two of them being a, a thing, or maybe the development of a thing between them. It, it, it's yeah. There's definitely been some tension. Yes, that they, especially Tear, do not want to acknowledge. Right, mm-hmm. and we are still at that point at the end of this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, does this? Did this feel like a the show being like, all right, yeah, y'all y'all want to see them get together? Here, here you go. We're going to do it here. Okay. Even though it's totally meaningless mm-hmm. as far as an actual relationship of any, of any kind. Right. Do you think that's them just throwing that out there as kind of a... Maybe this was their way of showing that Becca is not going to work with anyone in this crew. Okay. Because... Um, We've had this tension between Becca and Tyr. Yes. Now we're going to get them together, except it's not really them. Yeah. And then when they come out of it, Tyr's... Tyr's totally... He's not having it. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Right. Um, She hits on Dylan pretty hard. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not having it. Yeah. Uh, Trance is not having it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. So the only one that really she didn't try with was Harper. And why should she? Why would she? I mean, that's a sure thing. <laughs> no challenge there. <laughs> okay. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. So anyway, so that happened. Yeah. Even though it didn't really mean anything. Yeah. Okay. Um, since we're on the subject, I kind of wanted to mention those other two moments. Yeah. Okay, Dylan. Why is Dylan so incredibly uncomfortable around Becca? Because it's his first officer. I mean, he he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to ruin that relationship that they already have, the real relationship. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she came in with a kitten that came out of thin air. Okay, yeah, that's a little weird. And she's not acting herself. So I can understand why Dylan would be like, hey, Mm -hmm. what's going on here? And and not totally into it. Okay. It makes sense to me. Okay. What's Trance's problem? It's gold trance and not purple trance. I guess so. Um, we have never seen trance be interested in anyone. Have we not? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm thinking back and it's... Yeah, there has not been a, a love interest of any kind for... Not even mentioned. Mm-hmm. Talked about. Right. I mean, they've never even... When they were on a drift somewhere. Although, now that they have girl time going on... We might find maybe out. maybe we'll find out if we're invited to girl time. If we're invited, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, you're right that we we haven't had any kind of allusions to a relationship of any kind mm-hmm. with her. Um, you know, I was kind of think going back to that girl time thing. I was kind of wondering, you know, Rami and Trance are having their girl time, and then all of a sudden Becca breaks into it. It's like, oh, girl time! I want in. I kind of wanted them to kind of look at each other like. Um, we were kind of talking about you right now. <laughs> yeah. 
why don't, why don't you come back tomorrow? <laughs> We're kind of full up right now. Oh, that would have been good. <laughs> All right, so Harper makes the uh, comment when they discover, well, when Dylan puts two and two together and discovers that the rays that Harper had detected are mimicking uh, Becca and Tears brain patterns mm-hmm. and thus m- some sort of mind control is taking place. Was it mind control or brain control? Brain, whichever one it is. Um, how is it that Harper can define that as low tech? He may, he makes that mention. Is it, that seems rather low tech or something along those lines. Was it Harper or Dylan? Was it Dylan? I thought it was Dylan. What, the, the two yeah. of them are having the conversation. One of them makes the comment. That seems mm-hmm. low tech. Yeah. That struck me as odd too. I mean, how, what, what, what about that is low tech? I'm, right. I'm really wondering. Right, you got some kind of signal that you're putting out that you can control people as your puppets. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's low. They were doing that back in the Middle Ages. Right. They called it witchcraft. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's pretty low tech, I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, I thought that was an odd uh, comment to to call that low tech. So anyway, hey, um, I have a question for you. Okay. Do you remember last season, toward the end of it, actually the very end of it, this was a uh, a Commonwealth um, charter party ball, right? They were supposed to sign, they were going to ratify the charter. There was a whole fleet there, uh-huh. delegates. Yeah. yeah. The, the ship was full. Yeah. There was a fleet, a huge Nietzschean fleet they were fighting alongside with. Yes. Yeah. Where'd they all go? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember it, but can we assume that maybe the delegates got on some sort of escape pods or, or something like that? That's why they're not on the Andromeda anymore? I guess so. Okay. I, I, the way I see it is the credits are rolling at the end of season two, mm-hmm. Tunnel at the End of the Light. As the credits are rolling, uh, <laughs> Dylan walks back out of the Maru, hits the ship comm, and says... Kick everybody off. We just lost a couple of good crew members. We're going to go find them. And yeah, hmm. disperse. they disperse. Okay. That's that's the only thing I could figure happened. All right. Where where did the fleet go? Where did the Nietzschean fleet go? I don't, why didn't Dylan call the fleet back for help? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because they're a Nietzschean fleet. They wouldn't have helped. Oh, yeah. There's mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, that really bothers me. Yeah, because if... If Dylan didn't arrange for the delegates to leave, then either they're just walking around on the lower decks while all of this is taking place, or somebody got pushed down an airlock. Yeah. <laughs> and why is he not worried about that when the uh, the disinfectant gas goes off? Oh, so if they were wandering the lower decks, we just lost 50 of our delegates, or 49 of them anyway. Well, it turned out that the gas was not real. Because so. it was all in their head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But if you die in your head, don't you die in real life? Well, that's what most other sci-fi has taught us, yes. Mm. Yes. Speaking of things sci-fi has taught us, yeah. uh, when the gravity is turned off, what should you do? Um, grab onto something? And hold yourself down, mm-hmm. right? Yet again... Sci-fi trope, the deck plating gravity gets shut off, and where does Dylan go? Not for the console directly in front of him to grab onto, but instead he allows himself, throws his hands up, 
and allows himself to float up to the ceiling and then gets slammed around because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I understand the need for action, but honestly, uh, any spacer worth his salt is the moment that he feels gravity is being cut off, especially in a situation where there's someone monologuing and they mean you harm. Mm-hmm. Um, grab, the, grab the console in front of you and hold on for dear life. Yeah. Well, I guess I would have to say, um, fool me once, right? Okay. Okay, so he's standing there in the middle of the command deck. All of a sudden, gravity's gone. So he just goes floating up into the air, right? Right, And then Tyr throws him down. Yeah. And that hurts, right? Mm -hmm. And then he gets back up. Now he needs to stand close (laughs) to something to hold on to. Yes. Right? This is where he made the mistake. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because in the second time, that's on him. That's on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shame on him. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ryan, that's enough uh, good humor and observations in that vein. Let's. Uh, what's some serious stuff about this episode that we'd like to talk about? Okay. Um, Trance talks in great detail about Becca's future in the other timeline. Yes, she does. Yeah. Uh, we had some questions at the end of last season about um, just what was that future. And we get some more detail about that this time. It, not a good future. No, anytime you have to... I, I would say anytime at any point where you have to reattach someone's head, mm-hmm. that is not a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I know we're, this is a serious discussion, but I mean... That, yeah, I mean, every time they encountered someone, every time something happened, Becca lost a part of herself. A hand, a leg. An eye. An eye. Mm-hmm. A head. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, at some point. Um, yeah, they had it rough. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that everyone else was dead. Yeah, how did that work out again? They were the only two that left in the Maru. Yeah. Uh, they were unsuccessful. The Andromeda was destroyed. That's what we find out last season was right. that they left in the Maru. Um, instead of Tyr going with Becca, Becca took trance. Uh, they missed the mark. Everybody dies. They get away. Yeah. But they're searching for something. We don't know what. That's interesting. That they were searching for something? They're searching for something. Trance says we're searching for something. It's not important what. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we we have a little foreshadowing for a future episode. Could be. Okay. Yeah. You you broach Star Trek. I'm going to broach AI. Okay. Rami can only be rebooted if she wants to. I'm I'm kind of here we come back to this. I'm having a problem with AI and free will and self-determination. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rami should be rebootable. Mhm. Because we've seen her go crazy, mm-hmm. uh, it'd be it'd be nice to have a little bit of a failsafe where you could just say, "Okay, control alt delete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's back you up about three days, yeah, <laughs> or however many." However, it's a system time. restore. Yeah, I mean, do, do the system restore. It's a little low tech, I know, but <laughs> but there needs to not be any self determination in there, in my opinion. Yeah, um, when I turn my computer on, I want it to come on. And if it doesn't come on, I'm getting a new computer. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And and I, I don't know exactly 
what she hopes to accomplish by not allowing herself to be rebooted, unless it's just purely for security. It can't be anything for herself, right? Because then she's just going to be turned off. Yeah. In other words, or in a, you know, just unconscious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's no fun for an AI, I guess. I mean, I'm not an AI, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, again, I, I'm just putting my two, two cents worth in. It, it just seems like whoever was in the design department for uh, the high guard it just really whiffed on the AI thing. It's a great concept. And it obviously has done a great job in keeping ships running for long periods of time, even without human crew members. Yeah. But there are some pretty gaping flaws also that come along with some of the design design decisions that were made and implemented with the AIs. Mm-hmm. I got to think that she's uh, use, she's exploiting some kind of a loophole in the programming. It, it's got to be some some sort of security feature. Uh, you know, she omits facts. We saw that in this episode, too. She helps enable Dylan to be able to escape from that depressurization. Um, she won't admit to it. All she'll say to Tear is, I followed your order. Yeah. You told me to decompress the, the command deck. Yeah. I did that. I think she's got a way of uh, slipping through some... Some cracks, some loopholes. Well, we've already established that the AIs can lie. So this really isn't that big of a deal for her. Hmm. See, I don't like I don't like that. I don't think AI should be allowed to lie. No, they hmm. shouldn't. They absolutely should not. <laughs> um, here, it worked for the benefit of, of Dylan and the crew. Yeah. It doesn't always, though. No. Not, so, not when they go crazy. Right. Which happens a lot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of have a problem with the way the AI is presented in this universe. Uh, and, and here again, we have another situation that just kind of backs that up. Mm-hmm. It worked out great this time. It's not always going to happen that way, though. Yeah. Okay, so I have a question. All right. There's some sort of a, a stream or a beam or a pulse coming from this this interdimensional portal tunnel. Gateway. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. it's matching Tyr and Becca's brainwave frequencies right so they're controlling them who or what is controlling them and why i know you don't know the answer to that question yeah i got nothing but we have to ask that don't we yes as part of this show we have to ask that question Mm -hmm. what in the world is going on i'm assuming we're going to get an answer later on Mm. i mean because we obviously don't have an answer here Mm mm-hmm um, you know, I, I recall our episode 44, Tunnel in at the End of the Light. There were several times where we said, we don't know what's going on exactly with this particular point, but we look forward to finding out the answer in episode 45. All right, so I've got circled here that the space ninjas aren't real. <laughs> Because we did learn that in this episode. Are you telling me that we're going to fly away from, as Dylan says, anywhere else but here, and we're just going to forget this dimensional gateway and whoever was pulling the strings to make this this craziness happen? Level with me. You know what? You actually just blew my mind a little bit. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And... 
I got to say, I'm a little embarrassed right now. Okay. So you're telling me everything that happened in episode 44 actually happened. None of it actually happened. Well, um, apparently it was all in their mind. The, the the creatures that they that they were encountering on the ship, the knuckle the knuckle ships, mm-hmm. all of that apparently was not real. That's what I took away. Not from real this. in the sense that they were all something that was being projected, or not real as in it was all in their minds. Because they're as, all sharing the same hallucinations. If that's the case, yes. But as we already pointed out. They all saw the gas on the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, Rami, I would imagine, saw the same way Dylan did. Saw a tear phasing in and out, just like the Space Ninjas did in in Episode Forty Four. So, in my mind, I'm thinking none of it was real. Yeah, it, it was. They were all projections, and everybody kind of saw the same thing. But it was they, it was all being projected into the minds of all of these people collectively that but, were scared. But Rami saw everything too. Okay, they they tapped into her signal too. But the ship sensors didn't see it. You see Tear on the Maru fighting against nobody. Yes, but when we saw that episode, there was one of those. Space ninjas Space there. ninjas that popped up behind him. Yeah. And he's fighting that thing off to protect Becca yeah. so that she can finish her mission. That's true. And then there was a cat in the pilot seat. <laughs> because that makes perfect sense. <laughs> so why can the Maru's... Why can the Maru's ship... Um, <clears throat> ship log? Yeah. Ship camera? Yeah. Whatever, yeah. Why, why can why the, can the, the Maru's GoPro? Yeah. <laughs> why is it that the cockpit camera can't see the Space Ninja fighting Tear, but it does see a cat that that we never saw the first oh, time? Oh man, you just yeah, you just led us straight into the the loophole for this <laughs> this whole the whole episode just unraveled. I didn't mean to do that. You, I just but yeah. Well, I just saw a string. I tugged on it. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yes, you did. And thank you, sir. The whole tapestry has now disintegrated. Yeah. Uh, because it's inexplicable. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody on the ship saw all this going on, right? Everyone in the Nietzschean fleet saw all of this going on. Yeah. Their sensors saw all of it going Or at least they were imagining that their sensors were seeing it. Yes. Okay, push, push further on that. Um, it could be a redeeming point for this episode. Okay, um, <laughs> while Tyr and Becca are being controlled, they're able to phase in and out. Is, is that really Tyr and Becca at this time? Have we actually lost Tyr and Becca forever, and these are just these... The, the replacements? Yeah. The pod people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pod Becca and Pod Tyr. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, you could try and go about it. You could take it from from different points of view. The cat, though, the cat's the linchpin on it because the cat was there in the replay, and the cat came onto the ship. You know who the cat was? Who was the cat? The cat was Schrodinger's cat. If we think that these were real aliens, then they were. If we think that they're not real aliens, then they're not. 
either way, we're right, right? Right. Mm hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm getting more and more confused. I am too. The longer we talk let's, about, let's forget the cat. Okay. Let's forget the 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 string that you pulled on. Yeah, I'm. But I'm still. I'm stuck on Tyr and Becca being able to phase. Why were they able to do that? Yeah, it, it that didn't really make any sense to because me when that happens, that makes you think that's not really Tyr and Becca. Yeah, that's those space ninjas. To making themselves look like Tyr and Becca. They're replacing them. Yeah. Right? And then later on, we're going to find the real Tyr and Becca. Right? Yeah. And you know, I don't know. Maybe I should have brought this up earlier. Maybe I shouldn't bring it up at all. <laughs> they they think that Tyr and Becca are in the tunnel. Right? Yes. Where are they planning to go look for them? Yeah. They're in the tunnel. What, exposed to space? <laughs> yeah. Because I know what happens when someone is exposed to space. For more than a few seconds. Yeah. yeah. And it's not that their head explodes. No. But it is imminent death. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Either the cold or the lack of oxygen, one or the other or both, mm-hmm. will contribute at some point. Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah, within seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it. it we're, we're dancing dangerously close to what we thought about this episode. Are we? I think so. Because I know this is going to come up again when I talk about what I think of this episode. So we either continue down this particular rabbit hole or we move on from it. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on from it then. Let's instead, let's talk about what we learned about our characters and and the universe. All right. Um, Again, none of the space ninjas were real. So great. We don't have to worry about another alien race. Well, I mean, that's one theory. None of them were real. No, Ryan. The Space Ninjas were not real. I really want them to be real. Because <laughs> they were kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not real. Let's talk about our characters. All right. Let's talk about Trance. We, right. we, we, we were earlier, we, you had mentioned it, and I've got a question about Trance, too. All right. Uh, or, or not so much a, a question, but sh- she has telekinetic powers. Did we know this about Trance? I think this is the first time we've seen her do something power-wise. I mean, we know she can see into the future. She knows what's coming. She has abilities that are unexplainable. But this is the first time we've seen bolts of something come out of her hand. Yeah, it's the first time we've seen it this visually. Yeah. There was the time in... um, Do you remember back in um, Pitiless as the Sun when she was being held Mm -hmm. uh, and interrogated by the smoking man? Yeah. Yeah. she got out of her restraints that time. There was no... Yes, she got out of them, but I assume she had, she had been out of them. We didn't see how she did it. Mm-hmm. She could have been a, a Houdini and just, you know, slipped them right on out. She yeah, may have... She, she's, a, she's been with bad people. Uh, and while she's not necessarily been a bad person, she's, you know, learned a few things. Sure. So she could slip out of handcuffs. She Yeah, she can escape. Handcuffs. She can escape this whatever this hold is that Becca has on her. Yeah, what was that, by uh, the way? <laughs> super glue, maybe. <laughs> it bonds instantly. Yeah. Don't ask me how I know. Right. Um, she's escaped death several times. Yes. And I don't mean near death. She's been dead. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> it isn't that she escaped. It's just she res- was resurrected. Resurrected yeah. resurrected herself. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, so this is the first time we've seen this power at work. And what I think is interesting is we see this power in conjunction with a very ominous threat that she makes at Puppet Becca. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Uh, Trance has got some teeth now. Mm-hmm. And I love Purple Trance. But I'm starting to I'm starting to kind of like Gold Trance, not because she's cryptic and odd and knows things that we don't or that we aren't privy to. But there's a very solid core to her mm-hmm. also, and and there's some steel in there, and and we got to see a, a little bit of it in, in that moment when she has that moment with with Becca on the Maru. I, I thought it was really interesting. Um, it really kind of, for me, has solidified the character just a little bit more. Made it f- totally different than Purple Trance, and yet likable. Mm-hmm. This this trance is becoming likable to me. Yeah. And you can see that she's still playing both sides of it, because the whole time that Becca has her, air quotes, tied up, you know, she's really playing it up and trying to plead with her and and until it gets to a certain point... And then she's just like, okay, look, here's how it is. And you wonder, is is that an empty threat? Is she just trying to scare this whatever entity it is that is invading Becca? Or is she actually saying this to Becca? That's what I'm, that's the question that I wanted to ask you, Hmm. is how real was this threat? Well, I mean, it's trance. <laughs> so that's about as good an answer as you as yeah. you're gonna get. I guess how real yeah. is anything that tra- how real is trance? I mean, we don't even know. We don't know. We don't know anything about her. True. Although, as, as much as if we've learned, uh, uh, something else about trance. Okay, there's this moment on the bridge of oh, the command uh, command level of the Andromeda when Harper mentions something about suns. Yeah. And Trance's response are, mm, sons are tricky. Yeah. Was that a comment about the physical space around a sun? Or was that a... It almost seemed like she was imbuing character hmm. in that comment. Weird. thought it was odd. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. an interesting look you're giving me. Yeah. I, we won't pursue this any further I at know. this point. Then. You know, another thing about Trance I thought was interesting. What's that? Uh, actually, a question that I had. This whole time... Because um, we see toward the end of this episode, Tyr and Dylan, right? They're fighting, and um, Tyr's just about to get the best of Dylan, right? Mm-hmm. Becca and Trance are fighting. Becca's just about to get the best of Trance. Yes. Or is she? <laughs> yeah. Because what have we seen about Trance? Becca can kill her. <laughs> yeah. But is... We, we already touched on it. Yeah. She, she just comes back to life. Right. What is she trying to accomplish here? Does she really... The, the note that I wrote down was, was Trance ever in any real danger? No. And and it made sense for them to fight and for Becca to try her hardest to try and put Trance down. Because this version of Becca, puppet Becca, whatever it is, had no concept. Mm-hmm. That if she was successful in taking Trance down, an hour later, she was just going to bounce right back up and walk away. Mm-hmm. No concept that that, was, that would be the, it would, and the whole situation would just repeat itself. Hmm. That's, that's what I took out of it. <clears throat> How 
However, if Trance got serious, Becca could have died. And she would have died for real. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've seen... We've seen Purple Trance fight. <laughs> have we? <laughs> well, Ouroboros. The very first time we ever see Oh, that's true. Trance. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she is kicking some butt. Yeah. That's that's right. She's decapitating heads. She's, she's high on all over the place. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of first season Trance where... Tear is hilariously trying to teach her how to defend herself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but yes, you're right. We do get to see yeah. that in action later. I think Trance was just toying with Tear then too. Oh, I, I believe that yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I think. Are Are you ready to go ahead and address the elephant in the room? What elephant? The elephant with no claws. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, something has happened to our dear friend Tier Anasazi. Something has happened. Um, I don't know how. He doesn't either. Mm-hmm. And it seems to have had an effect on him. Maybe has it? Well, I, we've never we've not seen Tier Anasazi this emotional. Yeah, in all the previous two seasons combined. Mm-hmm. I mean, his eyes teared up twice. They watered up twice. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm wondering, is this because of... I'm not sure if it's because of uh, the loss of his bone blades as much as it is the loss of control. Yeah. Uh, what, what what was it that he was saying he held for for a moment? You know, he has that very impassioned rant that he's going on right there when he when he first comes back mm-hmm. he, he says um an all-embracing light something to that effect yeah and joy and for a moment he held it and then he uh, he he blathered on about something else and lost that train of thought and i'm just wondering what did he hell hold was it the joy was it was was tear in his happy place <laughs> did did he make it was he there, and then it was somehow he was plunged into darkness and he lost it, and now he comes back as well something different. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's missing part of himself, of what identified him as a Nietzschean. Yeah. So I mean, it stands to reason that, all joking aside, you would be emotional about something like that. Something was taken away from him. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't know if it's just the physical or if like you mentioned something mentally or emotionally has been taken away from them also well people can be very emotionally affected when they lose literally a part of them yeah i mean if somebody loses a limb uh, some people get along just great some people and I completely understand why it would be so. Some people can fall into a depression yeah, over losing literally a part of them. So, I mean, you joked earlier about tear, like this maybe like him being like a, a like neutered or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. And, and I don't really, I know that you were joking when you said that, but maybe just halfway a little bit. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's possible. 
but I think it's really just more of it's just something that was part of him. The same as I would be very upset if if I lost a finger on my left hand. Um, because I don't I don't know if we talk about it on this show, but you know that I like to play the guitar. Yes, a lot. Yes. If I lost a finger on my left hand, that would be devastating to me. So you can imagine that tear now knowing that he can't come up from behind somebody, whip out his bone blades and stab him through the chest. That's got to be heartbreaking. That's depressing. Yeah. yeah that was very tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> <laughs> but you're... Good point. Well made. All right. Yeah, I, I would. I would agree. I, I can see that. Um. Yeah, I, and I don't wonder that that something happened to him in the void. Also, mm-hmm. it, it sounded to me as if he he was given for a, a moment. He was given everything that he wanted in life, and and then it was it disappeared, and he doesn't know. He has no idea how to get back to it. He doesn't know really what it was, where he was. Um, I, and I don't wonder if some, something just happened to him there and it has just deeply affected him. Uh, of course, we're talking about a man that's that's just come out of that void. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't had time to process no, I what's think happened to him. He, he's a little bit delirious. A little shell-shocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, what about Becca, though? She seems to come out just fine. Or does she? Um, <laughs> because, and I, I like that question, uh, because Dylan asks it. Uh, Welcome back. It's, it's good to have you back, Tier. And I'm like, is he really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is he really back? We'll see. And, and I asked the same question for Becca, because she seems like she's her plucky, happy-go-lucky self again. Except she wants to know, hey, did you and I? When mm-hmm. she's talking to deer, to deer. When she's talking to tear briefly there, and, and tear's like, no, 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 you know, we're not going to speak of this. I want to go back to your because uh, I just pulled up the transcript. Okay, okay. So here is tear's speech. All right, tear asks Dylan, "Where was I?" Hunt says, "I don't know." Then tear says, "Do you remember a light?" Yeah, yeah. There, there, there was this light, all embracing light. And, 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 and then darkness, more darkness. And then I'm old, tall and strong, and I'm afraid, but I held it. I held it in my hand. Did, did I hurt you? <laughs> well acted, sir. I'd clap if I wasn't holding a glass. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So there's a couple of words in there that I'd forgotten about. Okay. But it doesn't really tell us anymore. No, that's what so, I was hoping is that maybe if we looked at the transcript, there would be something in there. Yeah, but is he seeing the future? Is that what he's talking about? He's old. He's he's standing there tall and strong, and he held it in his hand. Is this a future event? I mean that that almost sounds like what he's referencing. Just hearing you read that again and thinking back to what I saw. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's confusing, and I'm sure it was probably meant to be so. Good job, writer. Bob Ingalls. Well, he says, then I'm old. Tall and strong. Yeah. So he's already tall and strong. Yeah. But he's not old. No. Hmm. Maybe it's from a different perspective, though. Maybe so. Maybe it's Tamerlane's perspective. 
Hmm. I think it's interesting, and this comes back to the emotional part. We've never heard Tyr say, I'm scared. Yeah. About about any situation. Mm -hmm. And yet he readily admits in this moment he was scared of whatever was happening at that that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's definitely different. I I, I chuckle when Dylan says, it's good to have you back because I'm not convinced that he's back. (laughs) And if he is, how long is he going to be here? Mm -hmm. In any case. Yeah. So that was uh, that was Tears experience. Do you remember before you started trivia? I told you I had. Something. Oh, you had some trivia. Yeah, it, you gonna lay it on us here? Yeah. All right. So what happened to Tears Bone Blades? In universe, we don't know. Right. Okay. Why did he lose them though? Yeah. Okay. I found an interview with Keith Hamilton Cobb from uh, this was posted on. Um, Republibot.com. Okay. Okay. I'm um, not familiar with that source. I am not. <clears throat> so anyway, they ask him about... Uh, about uh, Really, this is a, a very long, long interview. Um, spans much of his career, going all the way back from Beastmaster and All My Children and... <laughs> okay. All the way, and then through Andromeda and then beyond. Um, anyway, here's what he's quoted as saying... Uh, he says, I was happy to see the blades go. I never liked them. Hmm. They were a poor prosthetic made of rubber that you can actually see bending if you look closely at a couple of episodes. The way they chose to have him lose them was, I think, somewhat clumsily executed, but I was relieved to have them gone. I would have much preferred to have him walk around with the broken remnants protruding from his forearms for an episode or two, with stories of how he had shattered them all, smashing them repeatedly into the back into smashing them repeatedly into the black obsidian like face of that alien whatever that had taken him captive. But instead they just sort of turned up missing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um and then he goes on uh further to talk about how it kind of goes along with what we we were just what we were just saying. Um, Cobb really was interested in proving that Tyr was a Nietzschean, a true Nietzschean, and that the Bone Blades didn't matter. That's not what made him a Nietzschean. Okay. And I cannot read the rest of this because we are a family-rated show. <laughs> <laughs> But if someone would like to, they can go on the internet and find this at uh, republibot.com. Okay. Yeah. Good research there. Yeah. I'm so, glad you found that. So, and that was my that was my suspicion, is that there was some sort of, of a production meeting that happened between seasons two and season three, in which it was decided that Keith Hamilton Cobb would not have to put on the gauntlets. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, I never liked them. I never understood the purpose of the Bone Blades. Yeah. Um, they're great for being able to spot a Nietzschean. Yes. <laughs> but other than that, uh, they're useful for them because, you know, like we talked about before, they can sneak up behind somebody and stab them in through the heart. Yep. Right? Um, yeah, but I mean, they're just, they're always in the way. And as, from a production standpoint, if they could have done a better job of making them just prosthetics that are actually coming out of their forearms. 
instead of having to wear those gauntlets all the time. Yeah. Because all Nietzscheans wear those stupid things. Right. And I still don't understand what's the purpose of these, because Nietzscheans are genetically engineered. Everything about a Nietzschean is done on purpose. Yeah. And these things are just, they're not attractive. They have to be taken out if you're going to spy on regular humans. Yes. We right. already established that in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's going to leave Scar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Tyr got out of this pretty easy, really, because he doesn't have the scars. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's Tyr. Okay. Uh, I want to come back to the, uh, the question I asked earlier. Okay. Becca. Yeah. What do you think about how she comes out of this whole situation? I think Becca comes out of this like she comes out of everything. Just roll with the punches. Yep. And probably a little stronger for the fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's yeah. That's a that's a good observation. Yeah. She she might be a little bit put out right now. <laughs> Maybe she wants to take a nap, curl up on the bed with her cat, <laughs> take a nap. That's right, because it's back in her quarters. Probably. Okay. Let, let's hope so. Yeah. Or let's hope not. I still haven't decided. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Hey, Ryan. Yes. Did we have a quote for this episode? Interestingly enough, we did. The fearful sit in a clutch with their worries, whilst the one man alone faces the furies. I thought it was furries. <laughs> it's open to interpretation. Okay. It's, it's poetry. It makes more sense if you put furries in there because there was a kitten. Yes, that's true. That's really the only comment I have to make on this. <laughs> All right. So that was Songs of Lauren, Commonwealth Year 4557. Um, Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. You know what? I'm just going to say, because I always read the quote... And then I always say, Ethan, what do you think? Yeah. And then I think of an answer while you're talking. You have one as you're, uh, before we even discuss this? I now? just want to go ahead and get this right out there. Okay. I got nothing. Your turn. <laughs> well, like I just said, if you substitute furries, yeah. it kind of makes sense with the kitten. Okay. Uh, really, though, it. I'm, I'm with you. I got nothing on this one. the The previous one was hard enough. Yeah. Now, now we're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I've I've got more to say about why this quote doesn't work. <laughs> yes. Actually. Yeah. Uh, it, I'll 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 put my two cents worth in here. It doesn't make sense because if you take it from the standpoint of Dylan, the man alone, mm-hmm. um, facing the Furies, well, he wasn't alone. No. Exactly. And, and, and that, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think we're on the same wavelength with yeah. this. And and who is supposed to be the fearful that sit in a clutch with their worries? Everybody was playing. Even yes. Harper. Yes. He was all in. Yeah. Um, uh, it, I, unless you consider the one mm-hmm. facing the Furies, Andromeda as the as a collective. Unless you take it all as a collective, and and that reference to the one Mm -hmm. facing the Furies, um, I guess then it works Mm -hmm. as far as matching this with what we saw in the episode. I'm going to make a prediction that I hope does not come true. Okay. Okay. My prediction is that this last segment of examining the quotes is going to become more and more futile as this show goes on. Really? 
I'm afraid so. And I don't know that because it's not like I, I've, I've looked ahead at the quotes that are coming and try to compare them to what I know happened in that episode. Right. It's been so long since I've seen these. I don't have any idea what any of these quotes coming up are. And even when I did watch them the first time, I tried to read it as fast as I could before it went off the screen, and then I never thought about it again. So I could be totally wrong, and I hope that I am wrong. I hope that we get good stuff from this quote, because we've had some good conversations in the past. Yes, we have. But those were also during the Robert Hewitt Wolf era. Mm -hmm. And we know from talking to Robert Hewitt Wolf, he told us the quotes were his babies. Yeah. He handled that every episode while he was there. He's not there anymore. Yeah. And so now this quote is being handled by someone else. And and I'm not going to be one of those there's a lot of people out there on the internet that say that as soon as uh Wolf was gone, this show just totally went to trash. I'm not going to I'm not going to be one of those people. But I am afraid that this is one of those things that he worked so hard on and tried to make them very relevant to the show. And what I'm afraid is happening is that now they're just coming up with something to put on the screen at the beginning of the episode because yeah. they know that nobody's going to remember it five minutes later. I yeah. hope I'm wrong. I, I, I It'll be interesting here uh, long-term. Long-term view. Let's put, a, let's put a pin in this. Okay. And after we conclude season five, mm-hmm. see if that is what happened. Okay. Uh, that would would be an interesting discussion to have. I'm not sure if we even have to get that far. I think we're going to figure this out in the next half a season. Okay. I mean, if, if we have episode after episode after episode of this quote doesn't make any sense, we might have to eliminate that segment. <laughs> I was going to say, by season four, we're not even discussing <laughs> yeah. it. Okay. It's not even a thing in our show. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah, I can see that happening, too. I hope not. I hope not, too, because I know that it's one of the things that people have expressed that they appreciate about yes. our show Yes, is that we do that. Um, in fact, that's one of the things that we got in our review on yes. iTunes. <laughs> yes, it is. So anyway, I'm not going to rant about that anymore. I just, I'm just putting that out there. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm afraid I might be right. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll wait and see. Okay. See what happens there. Um, so that's it for that discussion of the, yeah. the quote. Mm-hmm. Ryan, we get to the point now. We've dissected the episode if the wheel is fixed. We've looked at it. We've talked about things that we thought were humorous, mm-hmm. things that we liked, things that we have disliked. What, though, is your feeling on this ep- as an episode as a whole? Okay. Well, this episode, if the wheel is fixed, then maybe we could talk about it, but it's broken. That was probably a really lame way of getting around to saying that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there, you've got, I can see it in your face. You got nothing. Yeah, well, when it comes to this episode, you know, it's one of these those episodes. There was a lot of action, there was a lot of excitement, but I'm not really sure what's going on, and that bugs me. Yes. Okay. Um, flashing lights over here. Look at this. Woo! Isn't that entertaining? It is entertaining. Why is it happening? Don't know. Doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. I'm worried about that, you know. And so, I mean, if it if it can't entertain me, um, no, I shouldn't say that because there are times when something can entertain me and I don't have to think about it. But it's not that I have to 
to think about something. It's not that it has to be deep and intellectual for me to enjoy it, but if it just simply does not make any sense on any level, that's a problem for me. How am I supposed to follow along with the story when it doesn't make any sense and is completely disjointed from the immediate previous episode, even if it was made three months earlier? There was no continuity from one episode to the next. They just picked up where they left off and started a whole new story. Um, yeah, I got problems with this one. Ethan? I am 100% with you, Ryan. All right. Um, here's the thing. I had mentioned at the end of the, the previous episode, um, Tunnel at the End of the Light, if you thought that this was an episode where they had to wrap it up in the last five minutes, and they did wrap it up, but then they left the cliffhanger of Becca and Tyr being gone, mm-hmm. did that feel like... Okay, we know this is the last episode in this season, and we're going to put a, a bow on the, the 50 worlds, and that arc is, is finished. We got the 50 worlds. Signed, chartered, done. Let's leave a cliffhanger so that if, and I use air quotes here, if we get a third season, we got something to build on. Now, we've watched If the Wheel is Fixed, and they got their third season. But they didn't get the same writing team to pick up where it got left off. Mm -hmm. And instead, we got somebody brand new writing his first episode. And I'm not going to say that this guy doesn't know what he's doing. But for this particular episode to come into into season three, he was in over his head. Yeah. And that's very much how I feel about this. Because, as you said, this episode at times just came completely out of left field. Mm-hmm. It made no sense. We just... We, off we, its wheels. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Off off the wheel. Definitely. Um, at times, it just felt like, okay, we got to get all our actors in the room together and pay them to, to do acting. So let's put them all back in the ship with virtually no explanation and just put them through the blender, make them bounce off the walls and stuff like that. And action, 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 action. It did not feel like there was really any intellectual thought mm-hmm. put into, let's make this halfway plausible. No, mm-hmm. let's not make it halfway plausible. Let's just have our missing characters just walk onto the bridge. Yeah. And and here we go. They're not themselves, but we're still not going to come up with a, a valid reason for them not being themselves. Yeah. They're just, they're, well, let's just make them act that way. Right. And to me, that was one of the biggest problems with this is that there is... There are so many things that don't make sense. And you know what? Give me good explanations for why things happened the way they did in this episode. And all of a sudden, this becomes potentially a terrific episode. Potentially. I I said potentially. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm just... But, I mean, done right with good explanations, you know? Instead of at the end, everything just being, I don't know. I don't know, man. Stuff happens. It's weird. Let's put cones around this thing and get out of here. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I, I will I will go this far. Okay. We've had some rough episodes in season one. Yeah. You know, four episodes in, we we were not liking D minus zero. Yeah. Um season two, the prince. 
Yeah, we, we've yeah. had that discussion. We've had some some bad episodes. Mm-hmm. This this introduces an, a whole other level to me. This is a clunker. We, yeah. We've hit a, our first real clunker. I mean, there was some serious plot holes that they weren't even trying to fill. Yeah, we called other episodes clunkers. I would like to apologize to those episodes now. Can we do that? Yeah, yeah let's let's do that. Okay. We apologize. Right. Lava and rockets, I still hate you. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. prince, you're, you need to fire the wardrobe department. <laughs> you should have done it. You mm-hmm. should have fired the wardrobe department when you saw what they were rolling out. But yeah, we apologize. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know you're with me. Yeah. I mean, this, this was... I can't believe I've watched this episode as many times as I've had. Yeah, as I have in the last eight months. We've actually watched this episode together. This we, is we the, did. This is the first episode of Andromeda that we have ever watched together. Yeah, yeah, it is because we were getting ready to yeah. do to start into season three. We watched it together. Um, we've we've drifted away and come back to hey, we need to we need to get back into producing the series. So I've watched this episode like five times. Yeah. And I think this episode is one of the reasons why I was so hesitant to get, get back started into Drive Back the Night cuz I'm like <laughs> I just don't know what to say about this episode. Yeah. No, I I'm totally with you there. So we started off with the apology to you the listener. And mm-hmm. I feel like we owe you an apology for going ahead and doing this particular episode. <laughs> because we I know that there's going to be better episodes in season three for us to talk about. Because I have watched ahead just, just a few episodes. Mm-hmm. And there are some that I'm looking forward to getting to. But you're right. I didn't really want to <laughs> give a whole lot of thought to this one. And we had to. Oh, boy. Was it difficult. Very difficult to get through it. But maybe we're wrong. Maybe there's somebody out there. I dare them. (laughs) I dare them to say we're wrong. But hey, you're more than willing to try. Yeah. More than welcome to try. If somebody did have something to say on the topic, how could they possibly reach us, Ethan? Uh, Drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. That is the main... Uh, podcast or the the main email for the podcast that I monitor. So send us an email there. We're also on the social media, Facebook and Twitter at Andromeda Pod on both of those places. Our home is still on Podbean. www.andromedaseries.podbean. That's where you can find every episode. If you're on the podcatcher, sometimes they only go so go back so far. And you know what I've noticed? We're in deep enough, they don't have all of our episodes on the podcast anymore. That's right. That's right. So if you need to go back further, go to Podbean, and that's where you can catch up on everything that we have done. From day one. Yep. And we're also on... iTunes. And, uh, you know, we got a great review from Starts With A J, is the name of the uh, user that left the review. Five-star review. First one we've gotten. uh, And that was awesome. Uh, Really... Uh, like like we talked about earlier, really gave us uh, just that little bit of a push to 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 make this keep happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great review. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Jay, for for putting that out there for us. I really appreciate it. Um, and so you, the listener, if you haven't left a review, um, do so. Yeah, give us five stars if you can. 
Um, I, I understand it might be a little difficult after this particular episode, <laughs> after such a long hiatus, and we come in with this clunker. But, you know, give us a review if you like the other episodes you've heard. Give us uh, some stars. We'd certainly appreciate it. Hey, I think we were fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little, ru- little rough around the edges. You Maybe. Know, getting back into it. We were a little rusty, like the Mario. That's okay. That's right. At least we weren't on fire. Yeah. <laughs> Also, if you happen to visit our Podbean page, you may notice we do have a tip jar there. We decided to go ahead and put that there. That's another one of the reasons that we decided to come back. Honestly, we felt a little guilty because people had actually started sending us some money and then we disappeared. Yeah. So, so sorry nope. about that. Yeah, we're back, though. Yeah. Uh, good thanks to our big friend, Doug Anderson, who once again uh, lent us his voice, and we expect to have him for the rest of Season 3. And you know what? Honestly, when we get down to brass tacks... We blame Doug, because it was hard to schedule to get together with him. Yep. That's the reason for the eighth month hiatus. Right. Let's just put it on Doug. Sure. So send that uh, hate <laughs> mail to Doug at drivebackthenight.com. Just kidding. <laughs> That's not a real email address. We are an Age of Geek production. Looking forward to some really interesting stuff coming from them, hopefully, in the near future. Already, issue number 62 is out. Uh, you can find that on SoundCloud. Yeah, because you moved from Podbean, didn't you? Yes, I did. All right. And we hope that you will join us back here again next time as we look at the episode, The Shards of Rimney. It ends constantly. It ends constantly. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> it bonds instantly.